0: Welcome, listeners, to the 32nd episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhards, With me, as always, are my wonderful co hosts, Powerful Wizards Robinson Sean and Christopher Wikström. The very best of welcome to you, dear listeners. Happy New Year and all that, yes. Hello, hi, how do you do? Sup, friends? Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Tech app. In today's episode, we will discuss the play of the last week, although it will be sort of kitchen table edition as the weekly LGS uh, haunt has been off because of holidays. Also, speaking of holidays, Christopher took the opportunity when not in school to sort out his legacy collection, an activity that begs the question how should one organize one's collection? We're going to talk about that. And lastly, we will convene the Basic Land Connoisseur panel in a neon edition to discuss if the coming super mega special basic lands in the upcoming expansion Kamigawa Neon Dynasty are something to have in a UB Ninja deck. But first things first, the week in Kitchen Table Paper Legacy. Robin, what went down?
1: Right, because like the organized paper play has not commenced yet for the year, so we set up a little bit of Discord games going on. I, I brought uh, a couple of decks that I wanted to try out. I think I started with the Depths.
2: Yeah, yeah that's right.
1: And uh, then I also played a little bit of the 8-cast deck. Both Depths and 8-cast I was playing against uh, Colorless Stacks. <laughs> Happy
2: New Year, everybody! <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I was actually doing sort of the same thing when I was living up the tur- the Turbo Depths. It's like... This is not going to be a grind fest. This gonna be, uh, a <laughs> we were both we were both out to hurt each other. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, uh, I mean, I, I presented two decks that have zero outs to uh, resolve the scenario Bridge in the main deck. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was hurtful. And I also discovered how hard it is to beat a Karn with eight casts, uh, given the mana base and all of that. I wonder if... You know i'm I'm always talking about my two Flex slots. <laughs> I wonder if they could be like a Ursa. Ooh. the legend because uh, he will turn my artifacts into uh, into mana producing. Uh, moxes, so to say.
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable, actually.
1: Yeah, and and he's also quite good against Caracas because he brings a friend with him (laughs) when he enters the battlefield. And, like, I mean, uh, 8cast is all in on the construct plan already, so, like, making more constructs couldn't be too bad, I think. So that's a thing I've been thinking about a little bit about and then we also did get to play a little bit of uh, pile versus lands. I haven't changed uh, my lands deck since, since the Nationals.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a scary deck.
1: Yeah, it's a scary deck, but uh, I am quite certain that the Ursa version is superior. I mean, I played zero Ursa's at the Nationals, and uh, I mean, that card is just very good.
2: Yeah, I think it definitely would have destroyed me and I I do think, which I will go into later when I'm talking about how my matches, like how we played and like how it turned out, but I think the Ursa version is nearly unbeatable. Like I I can't pretty much beat it consistently, like not even on a regular basis, I think. I think the Valakut exploration build that you have, I sort of have a, a shot against because I can force some haymakers with Ursa you just win by playing Ursa pretty much against pile with like the slowest clock in the universe
1: <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah and and uh, I mean there's a lot of brewing going on in the in the lands discord and I've been doing a little bit of brewing on my own so I people are trying and uh, like every kind of variance there's been this uh, sort of green black uh, Almost like slow depths, but splashing Ursa uh, lands as well. Uh, that's been doing quite well. And people have been trying out white uh, lands decks and uh, banned lands decks. And so it's, it's quite the wild west when it comes to lands right now. <laughs> but yeah, some some cool things will be tested uh, further down the, the spring, I think, when the when the league starts. I will bring some, some spicy land decks.
0: Indeed, you should. Looking forward to that once we get out of the current state. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, later on. So, Christopher, what is your take on this week in Discord Paper Legacy Kitchen Table?
2: I played only against Robin, and uh, I I saw this really sweet stacks list. And uh, I have played some stacks in the past, and it's just like, it's one of those decks that's just super fun to play once in a while. Um, but this list, uh, I pretty much just took almost the whole 75 from a result I saw online, which was uh, four Chalice, four Mox Diamond, one Mox Opal, two Expedition Map, one Piffing Needle, and one Voltaic Key, which is kind of funny. Like, it's, it's four one-drops in there with, in a Chalice deck, but it kind of makes sense uh, when you're also playing for, uh, for Ursa Saga. Um, but then we also have four green Monoliths, which uh, can present a turn one Karn, if you have like a Mox Diamond uh, Tomb into Grim Monolith Karn, which uh, proved to be pretty good against uh, 8 cast. It forces it forces them to have a force, pretty much. But yeah, free Crucible World, free Ensnaring Bridge, also pretty good against the deck with zero answers to a result bridge. Four Serum Powder, so you get a good look uh, at your opening. Uh four Trinosphere, four Karn the Great Crater, Free Smoke Stack, and then just think about stacks lands. Uh, like the Tombs, Traitors, some inventors, fair Caracas, four ports, four saga, four wasteland. This deck was super sweet and I I'm not really sure about how exactly the games were, but my memory skews a bit against like that the, the stacks deck came ahead a bit due to the insign bridges. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed trying it out. And <laughs> it was one of those decks that I, I said that I put a spicy one together <laughs> before I started playing as Robin. And then we just play like depths against uh, stacks, which is like none of the player wants that one to have, like, have fun.
0: It's like one of these days you're going to sort of arrive at a, at a tournament setting, not, not even like a kitchen table, like you arrive at the tournament, but like... You know, Blue Red Delver stock list, super tuned, like, yeah, this sort of 14th slot in the sideboard, I had this vision of of something, you had this epiphany, and uh, everyone's just going to be very surprised about that. But uh, apparently today is not that day.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be the person who's like, yeah, I have a really spicy transformational sideboard, (laughs) and then I'm playing the stock Blue Red Delver list with two Spell Snare in the sideboard. And I'm like, throw back to 2013. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, then we did play three games against, like Shekpile versus Lance. And it's like Robin mentioned, his old Lance list from Nationals and the Shekpile list that I mentioned last time. And uh, like when I said, oh, I'm going to play, I'm going to play some Shackpile, And Robin was like, oh, do you want me to switch deck? I'm like, sure, go ahead. And then he brings forth lands, which like I just thought that I would be totally destroyed because I play one basic. Um, but Widderbloom Command, Grist, and Bonecrusher Giant were really good. I, I really thought they all overperformed in this matchup. And uh, Bonecrusher in a deck like this, that like we mentioned, doesn't really have a clock, can just hit really hard and present like, it's nice to have some sort of clock. If you're playing against an inevitability deck, yeah, I, I really think that uh, the list that I have now is is quite strong. Uh, what are your impressions, Robin? Is it too greedy or is it like sort of balanced?
1: I like it a lot. I I mean, I, I think the bone crushers for one thing is is a really nice addition. Like you have divided all your removal between so many different cards that you have sort of coverage of everything. And uh, so many two-for-ones, that's just the way Checkpile should be. And uh, not like um, only him to Torak and that kind of old-school cards, but uh, more playing to the board. So I think it's it's looking really strong.
2: And uh, yeah, the last thing that I just wanted to mention quickly, we had in our Discord server someone asking about the Bug Witch and uh, i've been working on it a bit so i just i'll post the, the latest decklist uh in the discord if anyone is interested but the major changes is pretty much i i decided to play two mystic sanctuaries instead of one and the, the frets only consists of three witches two slogurk and two merktide and paired with three grist and to fuel all of these cards because all of them are sort of an, an engine in themselves I decided to play 4 Growth Spiral, free with the Bloom command and removed all of the basics just to make sure that I'm super dead against, you know, Blood Moon choke, back to basics, Wasteland Lock, but it somewhat works. It's it, it sees a lot of cards, it has great selection. It might be weak to Rest in Peace and cards like that, but I'll post the, the deck list in the
1: uh, in the Discord. It's super cool. Nobody plays Rest in Peace anyway right
0: (laughs) i I do i do hang on i do so what
1: not when you're on black
2: red (laughs) what about you victor did you get to sling any cards
0: No, I did not. Unfortunately, it was my uh, daughter's uh, sixth birthday this week. And since we live in times we do, you can't have this one big party. You sort of take it in very small increments over the whole week in order to meet at least uh, sort of the core of people that you want to meet. So that took a lot of time and logistical efforts. So I had no time to sleeve out. Had I been sleeving up, I was looking at sort of, oh, maybe sort of, I haven't played D&T in a while. I should pick up the Saga version that sort of people started playing, I think, in you know, back in November or something. And then I realized, oh, yeah, I don't have the Retrofitter Foundries or the Shadow Spears. And <laughs> those aren't cards to just sort of easily sling by your LGS to sort of just pick up. <laughs> These are like, I don't know, 45 euro cards or something by now for weird reasons. I'll borrow them off of you, Robin, whenever you decided to play something else so then i thought "Ooh, i'm gonna pick out the the nick fit uh, shenanigans again instead Uh, because right now pernicious deed seems good again i mean it was in the deck when i started first started playing it uh, almost two years ago pernicious deed was like the staple in this sort of double rector deck and then pernicious deed just became absurdly slow for the format uh, and sort of didn't really do anything which is weird because it used to be such a great card in an in, in N- Nifid deck. But recently with the the vogue of cards that doesn't really have any mana value <laughs> attached to them. Like Saga. Like Saga, like 8-Cast, uh, uh, like the cookbook deck I faced just for Christmas. You know, a lot of things just sort of goes for zero mana value at this, this point. So um, I figured, you know, that would be a good idea. So I sort of, I have, deck is sleeved. Uh, and I was hoping to play it this this week, this Thursday, but alas, it turns out I have met people who have since probably tested positive. It's sort of of these fast tests, they're waiting for PCR tests, but I couldn't sort of, you know, risk that, appearing at the LGS with that in my bag. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to sit that one out for a while. You could
2: have had the sickest uh, Victor Tech when you... um... I had the whole uh, birthday party going on. You could have had the Black Red Reanimator sleeved up and you're like, I'm going to take a five-minute break and then you just go and crush me <laughs> in like pre-boarded game and then you're just like, oh, this isn't fun. And then you just walk away <laughs> when I'm starting boarding. <laughs> like, you should have just crushed me. Came in and dream crushed me <laughs> one game.
0: I did notice, uh, as others have as well, that EW Landon posted another deck dump list uh, with... Uh, Animator, which is the main deck 60 is exactly what i played at the nationals and i haven't changed it since he however does play show and tell sideboard which uh, i think a lot of people are doing right now which i would of course do as well had i had access to underground seas properly which i do not and i do not plan to procure them either spoiler for all my opponents you won't see that coming
1: or well, you can you can actually borrow that from me because my show and tells are, are mostly collecting dust at this point
0: I can imagine that deck hasn't really been doing well since.
1: <laughs> but I think that's a great sideboard juke from that deck actually, to just, like, avoid whatever grave hate there is and just put your Grease of brand into it.
0: I know, right? With Endurance it just becomes this great thing, but it's also this thing, like, why hasn't anyone thought of this before? And before Modern Horizons 2 you would uh, play Black Red Reanimator with sort of Tinfin's engine and Tendrils of Agony, and At the time, everyone was saying, like, why haven't we done this before? I mean, this is clearly the best way to do this deck. And before that, I mean, you can backtrack 10 years when Faithless Looting was printed. It took a long while before Reanimator moved from being blue-black to red-black. And I find this interesting because it feels as if a deck that sort of... You have this... at least I have this feeling when I play this deck and when I sleeve this deck up, when I lay it out... uh, before me is that well i mean you can't really change anything here this deck is set this deck is perfect this deck has all its cards and then i realized well i changed you know 15 cards in the last year a couple of them are main deck changes which sort of quite significantly changes uh, your game plan i mean i never saw myself as a conservative person but i realized i've been playing a very conservative deck for quite a long time and that i think interestingly because you, you, you would think that sort of oh you know it's always going to be these new cards you print printed they're going to try it out and re-animator. The, reanimator the reanimator method changes slowly man
2: but I think I think this is kind of like the full circle because before faithless looting uh, when you were playing careful study like show and tell was uh, a crucial part of the deck already so moving back to show and tell now is kind of like full circle but now the frets and uh, like with all of the grief and everything it's just like I think blue-black could also like really make a, a strong comeback just due to how efficient the discard is. And I, I definitely do think that Shontel is a super underplayed card in decks that isn't Sneak and Show or Omnitel. I do think that you can do a lot of nasty things with that
1: card. I think one change in the meta when uh, when talking about show-and-tell as a sideboard duke is that uh, back in the day there was a lot more Flusterstorms off the board. And uh, now uh, the endurances has sort of uh, taken the role of multiple anti-combo cards. Uh, and uh, like you, you could not <laughs> sideboard into show-and-tell if your opponent were sideboarding into Flusterstorm. But if you, they sideboard into Endurance, that's mighty fine show-and-tell.
0: So Christopher, this organizing of your legacy paper collection—how did that go? And can we talk some principles here, please?
2: Oof. Yeah, I hadn't sorted my collection in like roughly eight years, and wow, this is just I this is. A lot sorry,
0: of... s- sorry, viewers. We, <laughs> we should have given a trigger warning here. Told to sit down. This blasphemous. Yeah. I'm sitting down, and I'm happy. I'm happy about that. In yeah, just it's terrible.
2: I'm shaking my head in shame but uh, it's true and uh, so I had it like organized in you know junk piles that I I know where to find the things I'm the goblin welder of my magic collection I know <laughs> where all the junk is <laughs> but I I decided like okay I do have a collection that deserves more love than I'm giving it so <clears throat> I decided to like de-sleeve all of my decks and go through my whole collection sort them by color and i have like a couple of binders that i started sorting them uh, kind of like either what the card does like here's the discard section or here's a uh, like colorless stacks section like it shifts kind of between decks so i have a dedicated alert section a dedicated food chain section like my lands uh, like all of the lands that i have uh, like the special like legacy playable lands are in a separate folder where i also have my land deck, uh, like the cards for that so it's uh, i i've uh, <laughs> i've just uh, gone fully you know let's organize this but then when i had started doing it and i was like 60 70% through my sorting i realized that perhaps it wouldn't have been such a bad idea to sort everything by color. But then I stuck with my guns. And I I was going to say, (laughs) it
1: it sounded like you just made new, like, junk piles. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now now the junk piles, like, um, uh, if I
2: want to play something, I kind of have to understand what I used to play it in. Um, So for instance, if I would want to get my walking ballistas, do I go for, like, look in the food chain section? So I I do realize the fault like the the faulty uh reasoning when I started sorting it this way. Like but the, the could be
1: in the stack section as well,
2: right? Could be in the stacks, could
1: <laughs> be in
2: uh, yeah, you name it.
1: In Bomberman uh,
0: section. Yeah. <laughs> Bomberman. But, uh, section. <laughs> yeah, this is my yeah. this is my Bomberman binder. <laughs> have a look. But
2: but uh, do you guys have any like uh because because you're older more organized than me what's your what's your like uh hot
0: tip the hot tip is to do what you realize you should have done all along is you have to sort them by color and have a multicolored section a land section an artifact section because then you can actually find the cards (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> you you will also avoid uh, something that I think some people realize they do sort of because you have this sort of the bomberman section of the of binder A and then you have let's say the food chain section in binder B and suddenly and none of these decks are currently sleeved let's say and you realize you have eight copies of walking ballista, uh and sort of perhaps a bit unnecessarily because unless you keep all of unless you keep keep it sorted by color and Lance, you have no way of knowing unless you sort of, I know this on top of my head, obviously I know what the junk is. Unless you have that style and that strategy, you just sort of lose track of your collection. And the thing is, you are young, Christopher. When you approach sort of the the noble age of almost 40, You will realize that your brain functions cannot hold this information because you will be at the same time be sort of a person with a job and stuff. Perhaps other commitments as an adult. Don't say that. I'm saying that. I'm telling (laughs) you. I'm being wise here. This is me being the adult in the room. So you're setting yourself up for failure is what I'm telling you. And uh, you shouldn't have done that.
1: Victor, do you have all your cards in, uh, in binders as well or in boxes? Only binders. How many?
0: I have two binders. I have a very trimmed down legacy collection. They're large binders, though. So, I have these binders that are sort of have four sleeves for each page. Uh, so I, I, I never have to double enter cards. Uh, there is only one card per per sleeve uh, on the pages of my binders, so I can have full playsets in one row. And sometimes I even uh, deliberately bla- break rows if I do not have a play set of a card. No, I will never get more than three copies, but they take up the row anyway, because I would like to keep things consistent. I think the one controversial thing I do is that I organize, I put my lands first in binder A, and that's just because I think lands are so important and so valuable and so pretty to look at that I want to see them first. And then I go white, blue, black in the first binder, green, red, red, green. And uh, a really huge artifact and colorless, uh, of course, multicolor before artifacts, and then artifacts and colorless towards the end, and that's probably the largest section.
1: Yeah, I, I was, uh, I, I'm not using binders anymore, I should say. I only keep my cards in boxes nowadays. Because I thought it was uh, too much, you know, taking out cards, putting in cards. And, uh, like, uh, suddenly there's not room for a card that I would want somewhere. And I would have to, like, switch cards around to make room for. Uh, I need a new page of blue cards before the green starts, for instance, and all of that. So, and, um, like, I have many decks uh, going on at the same time. So it would be a lot of, like forth and back with the cards and uh, I actually thought I was um, you know, tearing the cards a little bit because putting them into the binder and taking them out and all that so I actually keep all the cards in boxes now uh, so I have one box for each color and a box for lands and a box for gold cards and a box for colorless and artifact cards.
0: I mean with a brewer's mind I think that makes a lot of sense because the the taking cards in and out of binders is tedious in, in the...
1: Yeah yeah, and, and, and I, I don't trade cards so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a trade binder. so Who
0: does?
2: This is where my, uh, where my way might be good because you said that you have a problem when uh, suddenly blue starts to extend into green and uh, yeah. do you have to move things around. Since I sort of sort them by different archetypes, like here's a creature combo, here's storm cards. Like in, in my storm section, I have like uh, TES, Ant, and Doomsday. And if a card, if if one of those decks gets a new card, I just cut the card that used to be in the deck and put the yeah. new card in. So uh, right. suddenly, my solution isn't that bad. Suddenly, but yeah, it's pretty bad. I realized that I should have fixed it, but I just there there are benefits. Discord, back me on this.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's it, I I saw a few photos that you took of your binders. It looked. Really cool to have like a a deck for out for display almost.
0: Look cool. Yeah, you're gonna have to share those photos in the Discord for sure, Christopher. And I'm I'm very curious (laughs) because I assume that very few of our listeners follow my so-called adult logic and have much more creative ways of doing this. And I I mean I very much agree with both of you in that strategy that if you brew a lot, keeping your cards sort of sorted by color harshly and very strictly it doesn't really make a lot of sense at least if they're in binders because there's so much picking in picking out i have a very sort of set number of decks that i just rotate some cards in so i think for my play style my organizing makes a bit more sense Our Discord server, our friend there Luskenbucks asked us the very important question if the coming super special full art Japanese basic lands in Kamigawa Neon dynasty will be also includes as the premier choice for blue black ninjas. So the basic land connoisseur panel must convene to discuss this. Gentlemen, discuss. So we're
2: currently looking at the islands and the swamps and i do think like sure they're they look japanese but the only one of these that really screams ninjas to me is the uh, sort of red swamp which feels like you know it kind of looks like a scene from from a an old ninja game like maybe ninja gaiden or you know it, it has this lurky feeling about it but it's also you know super cool i think the other ones they they just look like cool Japanese art style scenery and it's it's nothing wrong with that but it, they don't scream ninja but the uh, the uh, swamp that I talked about definitely screams ninja for me it's it's a super nice swamp
1: I could see the bluish island to company that swamp the one with the paper birds
2: oh so it's the more fragile ornithopter, maybe
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are 0-2s se- on the picture there. You can see that for sure.
2: Yeah, I think overall like these, these basics are, are super nice. Uh, like the art of them. I, I think I might have preferred them maybe not full art, but they, they, they are still banger. What do you think, Victor?
0: On that last thing you said, I agree completely. These are, I mean, the art is, of course, stunning. This is great, great, great art. And I also think they need to be full art in order to be appreciated. I mean, they're, they're painted to be full art so i think they should be however i would have a a slight challenge in sort of putting these next to a white-bordered revised jewel and then a fetched land and then whatever lands you play in in ninjas never picked up the deck so i can't think of it top of my head it's
2: pretty much that
0: they don't really yeah they don't (laughs) really match legacy decks at all unless you because you think, so, but if you play a monocolor deck, you can put sort of the same type of lands. But if you play a monocolor deck in Legacy, you play four copies of wasteland, four copies of ports, and these days, perhaps four copies of uh, Ursa's Saga. So you don't really get that sort of unified experience. Uh, what I'm thinking is that I would put these lands in a cube. Like these are sort of the basics I would use for a cube. Like for my, I have a, I have a, a modern cube. For that cube, I have the full art unhinged lands and that looks great because you have all these lands and you have perhaps you know two or three special other lands per deck and you get a unified feeling. Art-wise for these ones uh, I agree very much the red one uh, the reddish swamp it's a red lamp this sort of Japanese uh, rice lamp, I guess, that hangs in the rainy alleyway. It's a very moody picture. It's very detailed. It's super nice. That feels the most ninja to me. But I think the, the other island, the one you didn't talk about, which is uh, sort of an out landscape, essentially a waterfall in a mountainish, foresty setting, that reminds me a lot of uh, the Ronin comics. Sort of this Ronin wandering endless uh, up and down in, in, in Japan and sort of doing Ronin stuff. It looked a lot like this. Of course, he's not a ninja, he's a Ronin, but... Uh...
2: Is that like a f- filthy... It's a filthy samurai. If you played Ghost of Tsushima, you know that all Ronin are bad.
0: Well, in in this 32, I think, volume installment, the Ronin is the hero, of course, but he's a bit of an anti-hero, really. It's his kid that's the big hero, I guess.
1: Maybe they will uh, I- implement Ronins as a, as a creature type. And uh, in- instead of like Ninja have the Ninjutsu, Ronin will have that Ronin Ronin stuff. Filth, <laughs> filthy Ronin. <laughs> you discard it. That's it.
0: <laughs> lone lone wolf. Whenever you no, I'm not
2: It's it's one of those it's one of those but it's white jokes that you see around sometimes. <laughs> Ninja but it's white. So it's it's like ninjutsu but it's white. So you're like whenever you attack, return this return a cre an, an unblocked creature to your hand. And then you just discard the card yeah. <laughs> that, you, <laughs> that you wanted to ninjutsu and you just discard it.
0: I mean, Kamigawa brought us the card that has the text, you lose the game on it, right? So
2: Ah, do you mean one with nothing? One with nothing kind of does that.
1: <laughs> one with nothing is like a line-side diamond, but white.
2: <laughs> the,
1: the swamp that we talked
2: about, I, I finally realized why I think it's a ninjutsu art or like a ninja deck art. Because uh, the the rat ninjas in Kamigawa, uh, this looks like the scenery that they live in. Uh, so if if you want to see what I mean, just check out some rat ninja art.
0: So to to reach a verdict here, uh, I am hearing a consensus that while there is this one art that's really good for blue black ninjas, these probably won't be an auto-include. I, however, would, would be perfectly fine with the... Seeing these in the blue-black ninja deck, just because they are so very special, and uh, would create a very nice mood at the play table. That's where I'm at.
2: Yeah, for sure. I could definitely see the the mountains from this set in uh, a sort of painter painter list, maybe, because painter is one of those decks that, like, all of the cards are like somewhere a promo. <laughs> it feels like. Um, so maybe these can slot into there, but these get a these get a three out of ten from me.
0: And that is all we have for this week. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode and thank you for listening all the way to the end, brave of you. If you had fun and want to support the show, uh, you can help us out to grow by telling a friend about this podcast and have them listen too. Many thanks in advance for that kind of help. If you want to reach out to us, a great way is to join the Discord server. Please find the link in the episode information. You can also hit us up on Twitter at SDHLM Legacy. We are present personally on some social media as well. Robin, where can people find you? On the Discord server.
2: And you can find me on the Discord server and on Twitter at mamaliffmtg.
0: And you can find me on Discord at DiscoDrogo. That is the end of the 32nd episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robin Sönsson, and Christopher Wikström. Warm thank you for listening, listeners, and the great friends has, as always, written our music. You should check them out on Spotify. Until next time, be a hero in a half shell.